heard on Spotify Green Room first. Just waiting for more people to get in here to discuss this wild, wild night in the NBA. What a good time it was. Brian, dude, you don't know how much I loved having Ben Taylor on the Void podcast this week. Ben is so freaking smart. I can't get over how smart that dude is. You know, he's like a former neuroscientist. Do you know that, Ryan? And anybody else listen to it? Nick, the G. Nick, Page, the G. What are you talking about? I'm not the G. You're the G, Nick. Oh, we got a good amount of listeners, listeners in here right now already. Wow. I'm happy. That's good. So we're talking NBA tonight. And we'll be bringing on some people on stage to take questions. And Jalen Suggs, uh, Orlando Magic rookie, will be joining us in a little bit. I'm going to talk with him about Gonzaga, uh, Chet Holmgren. That's probably the first thing I want to ask about, to be honest with you. because <laughs> the Magic aren't too interesting. <laughs> they lost 24, 29 games this year. Uh, so we'll talk about Mo Bamba too. That's for damn sure. Uh, but first, before we get to that, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's in the room yet, Bill. <laughs> so I'm getting that off now, but, um, we will be talking about some of the games tonight. Uh, we should, uh, we should bring up, we should do like a little, uh, Wob style roulette where we just bring people on stage. And so if you have a question, either put it, preferably put your question in the chat. Um, and then we will bring you on stage and I'll answer your questions and whatnot. Um, but if you raise your hand, that's fine too. So, uh, let's, uh, let, let's, let's talk about some stuff. What's up, yo? How's it going, Ryan? How you doing? I'm all right. Same old, same old. How about you? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm having a, a good time watching some basketball tonight, getting my article done. How about yourself? How can't you? Yeah, man. I mean, I just watched Austin Reeves turn into Clay Thompson. So that was fun, but. Yeah. Uh, and then my question is, today's December 15th. Recently signed players can be traded. I know you've probably been asked this question a million times, but who do you think is the first domino to fall? Is it Jeremy Grant? Who, who, who do you think it is? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't know, to be totally honest with you, Brian. I, I think it's whatever team. Look, I said this months ago on the mismatch uh, to Chris Vernon. The Sixers, and this is true for every team, with with Philadelphia – they are waiting for a team to get desperate and say, you know what, screw it. We're just going to go and offer everything for Ben Simmons. That's true for all 30 teams in the league right now. Like when the first team out there says, you know what, screw it. Let's just do something and get a deal done. That's when we're going to see stuff. But I still feel like, like, just look at the standings right now. I'm just pulling them up on my screen as I'm talking here. But the standings right now. Even New Orleans, after their crazy win tonight, they're 9-21, and but they're still only three games back from the 10 seed for a chance in the play-in tournament. Every team is still in it, except for really the Pistons and the Magic. Everybody else still has a chance. So there are, seriously, 28 teams that can feel like they have a chance at the play-in, and that doesn't create a great situation for trades. Until January, or a team gets desperate. So we'll see what happens. Jim, how are you doing today? KOC, oh my God, it's so nice to talk to you. Wow, holy cow. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Well, what's, what's your question tonight, Jim? Um, I, have, uh, I wanted to talk Mavs with you for a second. So do you see the Mavs being a better team as currently constructed, a heliocentric offense surrounded uh, 
like surrounding Luca with shooters. Heliocentric. You're a thick basketball fan. I, I, <laughs> I am quoting. I'm quoting Bob. Okay, Bob. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm quoting Bob. him. Yeah, Bob Bulgaris. I'm quoting Bob. Bob Bulgaris. Should they hire kid and hire Bob? Oh my God, no, 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 <laughs> no. The, it starts with the roster, and that's what I'm about to get to. Um, or should they have like kind of what I'm watching the Clippers game right now, and everybody on the floor, they look like they could create their own shot off the dribble. Like you look at Maxi Kleba, you look at Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr. is really not that successful this season, but he can also do this. They could all create their own shot off the dribble. What do the Mavs with Luca look like in their, um, like what's the most successful version of the Mavs around Luca look like? That's a, that's a a really good question. Um, Jim, I I think, I think with Luca and this Mavericks team, they, they need, they need another guard. And like you saw the Tim McMahon story at ESPN this week where they wrote about Dennis Smith Jr. And, and how like with a guy like him, they wanted multiple ball handlers. It just didn't work out. Um, but ultimately, they're in a position now where, as you said, they don't have a lot of guys who can make plays off the bounce. And I think those are the hardest teams to stop. The teams that have multiple guys who can do stuff off the dribble, whether it's as a shooter, whether it's as a passer, uh, as a shot creator. Like I think for Dallas, having just Luka do it is fine because he's an MVP caliber talent. Um, but the best teams, the hardest teams to stop are the always the ones who have three or four or even five ball handlers on the court all at once. I believe we might have Jalen Suggs in the room here. Uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit tonight, um, but we're also going to be doing some Q&A before and after that. Um, so we're going to try to get him on stage and I'm just going to talk a little bit here. One thing I'm curious about for people who are talking in the chat, the tonight's Pelicans game, Brandon Ingram hit 34 points on 11 of 21. Brandon Ingram has been on an absolute roll recently, 27 points the other day against the Spurs, 26 against the Pistons, 40 against the Rockets, 24 and 29 against Dallas. He's averaging pretty close to 30 points per game the last couple of weeks. So Question for everybody listening in the chat. I want you to let me know what you're thinking about the Pelicans right now. And right now we already have Andrew saying, my Pelicans are a Zion away from a top six team in the West. Like a healthy Zion is a lot to ask for at this point. Um, it's it's nerve wracking to think about Zion. Alberto says Zion is a hundred pounds away from playing. You might be right about that. Um, but like ultimately for New Orleans, despite how crappy a lot of it is there, there's some good stuff to feel good about. You know, there is, especially with Brandon Ingram averaging, as I said, nearly 30 points per game. But, I mean, we'll see how things develop there. And I, I can't get over the ending to that game. There's something, something always happens that's crazy in the NBA, whether it's those game-winning jumpers. Like, how does that happen? 1.4 seconds left, Devontae Graham hits it from three-quarters of the court. It's nuts, man. I, I think with the NBA, something crazy happens every night, it seems. Yeah, Herb Jones. Herb Jones is always doing something crazy on, on defense. Adam, you have you grown from the OKC fans. It's crazy. I, I love that, though. You know, you have two teams that are outside of the playoffs in the Western Conference, and their fans are totally invested at the end of that game. Uh, we're trying to get Jalen Suggs on stage here. Max said, what happened to Jackson Hayes? Where is he? I mean, he had his, you know, issues over the offseason. And as a player, he just hasn't 
developed, unfortunately. I mean, he was a guy who comes into the league as a pure athlete. Um, yeah, let's let's take one more caller uh, before we can get Jalen Suggs on screen here, and let's 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 get a, a question about another team. Mohammed, what's going on? Hey, what up, Kevin? Uh, lo- love your avatar here. Hey, what up, Kevin? How you doing, Mohammed? Hi, I'm okay. Um, I want to ask a question. Um, do you think AD can still be the best player in the world in free time? No. I don't. <laughs> That's the short yeah. answer. Uh, the long answer is he's just not one of those guys who can generate offense at an elite level when you throw him the ball in the post where you throw it to him on the wing. He's he's somebody you want him playing off of others, cutting to the rim, um, pit, setting picks and rolling to the basket and you know, even spotting it from three and attacking a closeout. You want him doing stuff like that. He is one of the, the great number twos and NBA history on offense, I would say. Defensively, that's where I look at him, and it's like I don't feel like AD is 100% the same guy on defense. I mean, like, think, if you watch, pull up some AD highlights from his last couple of years in New Orleans or even the bubble year with the championship for the Lakers and watch the way he moved laterally in the perimeter then compared to now, there's there's a noticeable difference. He's he's not as nimble. He's not as quick. And I, I I don't know if that's the weight gain that he put on having to play more center. I don't know uh, what exactly it is. Um, but he doesn't seem to have the same level of quickness as he did before. Jason, what's up? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? How you doing, Jason? Doing well. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing really well tonight. All right. I'm a Rockets fan calling in. I have a question about this rookie class um, uh, we're watching. Really concerned about Jalen Green. Worried he might be uh, as bad as like a Terrence Ross type player. Excited about Shane Goon. And it's looking like, um, you know, passing on Evan Mobley was a huge mistake. I think he could be as good as Tim Duncan. What are your thoughts on this rookie class overall, though? Well, my question back to you, Jason, is after 18 games, only 18 games. I know. Is it worth worrying? I didn't like him before the draft to begin. Oh. It was all well on Evan Mobley. So, so you wanted Mobley. Just, this is kind of a confirmation bias, just his struggles early on. I know he's only 19, but Shingen's look great, and they're the, basically the same age. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand that. I mean, I think with Jalen Green's first 18 games, he's 38% from the field, 28% from three, 49% from two-point range. I still really like him. I, I still really, really like Jalen Green. The, even though he right now, look, right now he's 180 pounds. He's very light, and having to add muscle and get adjusted to the physicality of the NBA stuff like that can take a lot of time. It can take years. And, and I mean, I had Evan Mobley ranked ahead of Jalen Green on my board, and I don't think you know that necessarily means anything this early. But I, I think to your point, that there was a, a safe level with Mobley that you don't have with Jalen Green because of his size, because of some of the weaknesses that he has. How are you doing? What up, Kevin O. Candyland? Or <laughs> I might, I, or I might say Kevin O. Um, Buckingham, um, Buckingham with your guitar skills, my friend. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Wow, hey, <laughs> and no problem. I'm probably like the um, the second. Um, um, second person you know who's very ecstatic about what's going on in Portland right now with my Grizz just you know being, just playing incredible ball without Morant. And oh, I guess yeah. you know I guess to bring this up with another question. I know there's been a lot of chatter about 
um, possibly them looking at Jalen Brown. What were, I mean, just what are your thoughts on, on it from both sides? I mean, obviously, when um, Jaron and Jaw are off top, are off limits, but, you know, I love Dylan. I love what he does, brings for the team. But, dude, Jalen Brown's just incredible. And what do you think Boston would think of just thinking, hey, Jay, um, Tatum and Brown can't work and just got to split it up and get something back? Just want to hear your thoughts. That, that, that's a good question, Vance. And I think with Jalen Brown, he's not necessarily available right now. However, the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies in year three of John Morant are already thinking about, hey, who's the star player that we can get to put us over the top? Who's our Chris Paul? Who's our you know Kawhi Leonard, if you're the Raptors? The fact you're already thinking about that in year three of John Morant as a Grizzlies fan, that to me is the thing that stands out most. Because with Ja, the level he's at already, granted he's out right now, with his absence, you're seeing everything else in this roster. I said this to Verno on the mismatch a couple weeks ago, but like this Grizzlies team, top to bottom on the roster, they don't have weak links. You're seeing that with guys like Tillman and Conchar and Tilly, like some late second round picks and undrafted guys are excelling for that team. Desmond Bain looking like the steal of the draft from a couple of years ago. Jaron Jackson Jr. granted tonight against, you know, Portland at halftime, he's only four for 12. But I mean, he's just been an absolute, you know, flamethrower from three-point range with some of the games. He's shown his defensive versatility. Like got like the, the roster around Ja is already super, super impressive. And if you're able to flip picks or, you know, some combination uh, of those young guys into a start, star level player i don't i don't i don't feel like the grizzlies are that far off from being a team that can make a run deep into the postseason i don't think they're in a position like the utahs of the world or phoenix um, or even clippers with Kawhi or warriors they're not on that level yet but the jazz are, are good enough to at least make some noise with an additional move and maybe even without one considering how good they are as is what's going on alfred Hey, okay, OC. Uh, speaking of the Grizzlies, uh, big Bulls fans here, what do you think about slow-mo going to Chicago? And is there any hope Brandon Clark gets more minutes off the bench? I mean, I think with Kyle Anderson, it's kind of funny you bring him up. He's he's one of those guys where I think we could see a lot of moves in, involving players of his level. I, I I mean, look, Sabonis and Ben Simmons and some big names are out there right now, and those guys could very well get moved. Um, but that's also kind of a slow burn uh, in terms of where we're at right now in the NBA. Like, we know those guys are gonna, probably going to get moved at some point. We know a Miles Turner trade might happen. Um, but as of now, I, 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 my expectation is we'll see a lot of like lower-level guys. And also, hey, uh, Jalen Suggs, if you're hanging out in the room, Tap the uh, ask to speak button and we'll get you up on stage if you're in here, Jalen. But that's a good question. I mean, about the trade deadline. Um, I mean, look, uh, I, I we don't we never know. Like there's always situations in which we think it's going to be a crazy deadline and it gets quiet. We all, There's situations where we think it's going to be quiet and then Blake Griffin gets traded from the Clippers to the Pistons. So stuff can come out, come out of nowhere. John, what's going on? How's it going, KOC? Uh, I'm a Suns fan here, but I actually have a question about the Jazz. Um, if I'm correct, Danny Ainge has uh, got hired over there, right? Yes, Danny Ainge was hired in, in yeah, a so high-level position. Yeah, you're a Celtics guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a Suns guy. I'm familiar with Danny Ainge. But I'm just curious what you think about that because, you know, the Jazz have been pretty successful for years. Um, and I just, it, it's, it kind of struck me a little bit, like, why they would do that. But I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. 
I mean, I'm, I honestly have not seen everything that's been reported about the Danny Ainge acquisition today because I've been busy doing a lot of writing. Um, but from what I understand personally is that this is something that there's been rumblings of him going to Utah for months for a long time now. Um, so I, I'm not sure like if there's been any reporting about that throughout the course of the day. But my understanding is this has been, you know, in talks for quite some time now. Um, ultimately, with Danny Ainge, I think, you know, one thing I did see on Twitter earlier today was a lot of jokes about, you know, him swinging and missing on stars, um, about him failing to to build the the proper team around Tatum and Brown. Um, I think some of the jokes about Danny Ainge are, are are really unfair. I mean, he he is somebody who at least he's taking swings. He's always taken swings. He took swings when he traded Antoine Walker months after getting a job. He took swings when he went for Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. He took swings when he traded away Pierce and Garnett. He took a swing when he traded away Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. And not all of it works out, but sometimes it does. And for Danny Ainge, I think, like, Brad, to me, the big question is, what is Brad Stevens going to do in Boston now that Danny Ainge is gone, that's the big question. Maybe Danny Ainge lost his touch there, um, but I, I, I'm still a believer in him. Like he's one of the guys, you know, that I've met over the years in the NBA that I'm, you know, is very impressive in terms of their their ability to to analyze players, their ability to lead as well. So I, I think with Utah, it's a, it's only a positive addition to have Danny Ainge there, somebody with his, with his with his level of experience, especially ownership and front office has undergone some change there. And Jalen Suggs, if you are in the room, Jalen Suggs is on stage. What's up? What's up? How are we doing? What's going on, Jalen? How are you doing today? Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing great, man. So we're going to talk with Jalen Suggs for about 10, 15 minutes here, and then we'll take some more questions afterwards. Jalen, so we're, we're, are you in, back in Orlando right now for that long road trip? Yeah, we're back. So, uh, you know, a lot of people who listen to my podcast know um, you are teammates with one of my all-time favorite players, Mo Bamba. Okay. <laughs> What's your best Mo Bamba story? Oh, man. Um, no, my best Mo Bamba story. So uh, I met Mo this summer in about July. Uh, we went on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And um, he said, what's up, teammate? Like, you know, when we first saw each other, you know, and then we laughed about it. He's like, nah, like, you're not coming here. Like, you know, just, you know, joking around. And then come full circle, uh, draft night, you know, I get drafted and and he hits me. He's like, I told you you were coming here, teammate. Uh, so, I mean, I think that that that's the best story I got, you know, to share with you know, my boy Mo. I'm happy to see him coming along this year, man. It, it, was, it was some rough years before you got there in Orlando with him being glued to the bench. Uh, by Steve Clifford, but he's getting consistent minutes now coming through. And, and I think he kind of serves as an example of how, you know, high achieving high school and college players, sometimes it, it's not always a smooth start. Um, you know, if you, you have your injury early on the season, you're bit out right now, you know, in the games that you did play, whether it was in summer league preseason or regular season, what has surprised you the most of since entering the NBA in terms of the, how the game is played on the court, the level of physicality, whatever it might be? Um, I think the levels of physicality um, is a lot more than I thought it would be and the pace of the game. Um, you, know, you watch guys like Chris Paul and, uh, you know, some of the better players in the league, Trey Young, uh, you know, guys who just don't get sped up. 
and you know they make the game look really slow and and methodical and they're they're able to pick it apart but you know once you get out there uh you know you realize it's a little bit different you know and it, there's a reason that they're some of the best you know players that players in the world uh so i think you know just the speed and the physicality you know have been two things that uh you know caught me a little off guard coming in the but I've, you know, gotten adjusted to, you know, and really have been starting to feel real comfortable with uh, right before, you know, I ended up getting hurt. Somewhat of a related question to what you just said from Thomas in the green room chat. He said, after your first lot of NBA games, what do you think is the most important skill you need to improve on in order to take it to the next level? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the most important skill is, again, just going back to the pace, uh, you know, playing at my pace. Because, uh, again, those last couple games, uh, you know, I felt like I was really starting to get it down a little bit and, uh, you know, and find my rhythm in it. Uh, you know, I'm picking my spots and when to attack, uh, you know, when to distribute, uh, when to be aggressive on defense and things like that. Uh, so I think that that's the main thing I've been focusing on, you know, over these past uh, over these past you know, couple of weeks is sitting with the coaches, seeing what they see, talking with them about it, you know, during the games and things like that. Uh, you know, just so I can get it all down because I mean, the shooting and finishing, all that stuff will come. Uh, you know, the best players in the world, you know, go through their slumps. But, uh, you know, especially me being a rookie coming in and, you know, trying to get adjusted to everything, you know, that's the last thing I'm worried about. Uh, but I think pace is one thing that definitely can uh, can improve and, you know, will improve. I, I had a question for you about, like, who's the toughest defender that you've faced so far? And Jim Andrews in the chat said, who's the hardest player you've had to guard so far? So, you know... Like, which is each? Like, who's the toughest player you've had to guard and the toughest player you've had to go against so far? Um, I think the toughest guard so far has been uh, James Harden. Um, Again, one of those guys that you can't speed up. And, uh, you know, he's able to knock down shots and get get to wherever he wants to go, really. Um, You know, you kind of got to, you know, you kind of got to hope you you miss and get the best contest that you can. So, um, I think that was a really hard guard. Uh, I learned a lot from playing against him two times. Uh, and then I think the tough, the hardest defender, uh, is definitely Marcus Smart. Uh, he, 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 he knows where he's going before you're going to go. And, you know, he's physical. Uh, he's smart. And, uh, yeah, just a, a really tough defender, you know, and rightfully so, you know, he's well known, you know, around the league for that. I'm- I've been, uh, I mean, you just said like he knows where you're going to go. Is that one of the things that you feel like as a, as a guy, you're going to be running offense that you need to really get adjusted to is guys know where you're trying to get to. They know all your moves, all your spots. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, you're on, you're on a scouting report now and the scouting report is really in depth in this league, you know, and guys go watch film on you, uh, you know, films, uh, clips that are picked, uh, you know, about things that you like to do. So, um, you know, that that's definitely a thing, but I think that's where, you know, me playing at my own pace and, you know, the, uh, dictating, you know, what I want to do and where I want to go and, you know, what we need to do as a team, you know, that possession or, or while we're on the floor uh, comes into play, you know, and I mean, guys know that James Harden is going to it between the legs and, you know, wanting to get fouls and then, you know, maybe hit the step back, but, you know, they don't stop it. So, um, you know, really just, you know, trying to control what I control that on the court and, you know, play at my pace and get, get all that under, you know, under my control. Did you watch Steph break the record last night? I did. I did see it. That was great. Well, what are your, what are your thoughts on the way in which the game has evolved over the years since, you know, we were younger watching it and where it is now and where it's going? Where do you think it's yeah. going? Um, just to a, a more positionless game. Uh, you know, you got, you got bigs who are stepping out, knocking down shots, bigs who are able to put the ball on the floor and, you know, really cause problems for defenses. Um, and I mean, it's hard to guard, you know, it's at, at this point, uh, you know, 
the analytics and everything says, you know, you shoot layups or you shoot three-pointers. Um, but you have outliers and, you know, guys who really thrive in that mid-range game, you know, like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, you know, John Moran, and, you know, the ways they would get to the paint and, you know, knock down floaters and finish at the rim. Um, so I, I love I love where it's going, you know, in a position list, you know, fast-paced basketball, uh, you know, very competitive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm happy to be a part of it. How would you feel if Adam Silver releases a statement tomorrow and he's like, we're moving the three-point line back? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would react any crazy way. I, I'd kind of ask why. Um, because I mean, you got guys like Steph, Dame, of course, who are pulling, you know, from the logo, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, uh, but I don't. I don't feel like there's a need to move it back. You know, per se. I think the game is beautiful right now. Oh yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I remember I was reading recently, like on Grantland.com, seven years ago. Guys like Kirk Goldsberry, you know, big numbers guys writing about how the league could evolve. And they were right about how the league could evolve. Mm. But the question they asked then was like, is the game going to become ugly and like all teams are going to play the same? I think teams today try to get the same shots, but they do it in different ways. I mean, like you guys run a dramatically different offense from the next team to the next team. It's you might be trying to get a lot of threes, layups and free throws, but every team runs a different type of offense. It looks different. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I have a couple of comments in the chat saying the ending of the OKC Pelicans game tonight reminded people of a <laughs> shot against UCLA. <laughs> Do you see that? <laughs> uh, me, me and RJ just watched it uh, like 10 minutes ago, right before, right before I got on. And that was crazy. That was crazy. The, like, yeah. the shot that Shea hit was wild in itself. <laughs> and then for Devontae to answer with that is it was nuts. Yeah, that, that was nuts, man. Um, yeah. uh, a, a question question for you you won at the the highest level in high school and you went all the way back to the national title game in college and now you're on a magic team that's lost 24 of 29 games um after winning so much in basketball growing up what adjustments have you made to your mindset uh through your nba career early on to to deal with some of the losing um that has been an adjustment for sure uh you know definitely has um you know for me my mind is kind of switched you know just you know, stick with the process and, you know, take the highs, you know, for what they are, take the lows for what they are, you know, continue to get better and, uh, and, you know, do what I can do and control what we can control, you know, uh, for myself uh, as organization, um, you know, te- teams go through this, uh, you know, the Lakers, you know, right before LeBron got there were, you know, bottom team in the league, you know, of course they're the Lakers, so people are going to go there, but I mean, you look at teams like the Grizzlies, um, you know, things like that, teams like that, you know, you got to go through those lumps, you know, and, and rebuild a little bit and restore, uh, you know, re- restore what you had. So, you know, we're going through that right now. Uh, but, you know, what keeps me up is, you know, the people that we have around, you know, on the staff and the, uh, in the locker room. We've got a lot of young guys with talent, you know, who are hungry to get better. And, you know, we work really well together. We all push each other. Uh, so really just trying to, you know, not take losing as a loss, but as a part of the process, you know, something you can learn from, um, you know, as long as you're doing your, you know, what we set out to do in the locker room and, you know, accomplishing those things. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, losses happen. It's hard to win in this league. It sounds like you're kind of taking a, a growth mindset approach, you know, to keep the, the positive vibes going. How, how much um, how much of that comes from Jamal Mosley or is it somebody on the team that really tries to inject that growth mindset into you guys? I think a lot a lot comes from Coach Mose. Uh, you know, we're again, he's kind of he's the same position as us, you know, young first year as a head coach. Um, 
So, you know, we're able to bounce ideas and talk to each other a lot. And, you know, he doesn't act like, you know, he knows everything and, you know, we know nothing. You know, we're able to talk and, you know, figure things out, uh, figure things out as a team. And uh, the rest of the staff is great as well. I mean, guys like Nate Tibbetts, uh, Coach Oz, uh, Jesse, Jesse Mermis, like we're, we're all on one page, you know, all working to get better. You know, energy's brought every day, you know, so that we can get to that point. Um, you know, right now we just have to stick with the process. And I think we're all on the same page in that. And, uh, you know, we're getting better. We're getting better every day and every game. How much Chet Holmgren have you watched? <laughs> That's my boy. And he goes to the deck. So, you know, I've I watched pretty much every game. Every game. Can you uh, give me your, your best Mike Schmitz or Mike Mel Kuyper impression and give me a breakdown of his game for some people who don't know anything about Chet Holmgren? Oh, man, my boy Chet. Uh, he's a do-it-all type of guy, and he's a really unselfish guy, honestly. Um, you know, he's able, to, he's able to defend with the best of them. You know, his own ball, of course, can get a little better. Uh, you know, at seven-footers, you don't see many seven-footers sliding and guarding, you know, at – at 25 feet, but I mean, he's one of the best rim protectors I've ever seen. And, you know, being able to play against him, you know, growing up and, you know, seeing his progression to where, you know, I was a senior, he was a junior in high school. And I mean, it's tough to finish. Like, you know, you got to get real creative and, uh, you know, with how you're going in there because you know, he's a smart shot block. He's just a dunk, just jump up and block. You know, he times you. He knows how to move his, maneuver his body and things like that. Um, and then offensively, man, he can knock it down. He can handle, uh, you know, of course he has a lighter frame, uh, but, you know, he's still able to get to his spots and, you know, rise up and shoot over people because he's seven foot and he's got, <laughs> you know, uh, branches for arms. So, um, you know, Che, he's going to be great. Uh, he loves to work. You know, I think that's the thing that's going to make him great, you know, once he gets to this next uh, this next step. Uh, you know, he stays in the gym. He's always wanting to get better. So, you know, I can't wait to see what's next for him. You know, I'm behind him every day and, you know, every part of his journey. So, you know, right now he's shooting 33% from three. It's only on 27 shots. That that number should go way up for him, you know, considering what he's done at, at lower levels. Uh, like offensively, there's no question about his skill skill level. Defensively, no question about his shot blocking. The, the one thing that I hear when I talk to NBA people is they say he's 195 pounds. Mm. Um, like based off your experience so far in the NBA, I'm curious about your thoughts on – on on the need for strength i mean it's such a perimeter oriented game um like for a big man like him or or bigs you've even gone against like is it length that's more bothersome or or how much of it is is it strength when you're bumping the opponent inside trying to carve out space like how important is it for somebody like chet holmgren to to add 20 30 pounds of muscle over the next x amount of years uh you know he definitely has to put it on he's done a great job in you know and working on his body and you know, continue to get stronger. Uh, you know, I was working with him all before I left for Gonzaga. You know, we were working out and lifting together all the time. And, you know, again, that's one thing that, you know, he's dedicated to. And, uh, you know, he's really put his time and effort into his, you know, getting his body right. And he's gotten a lot stronger. Um, and, I mean, it's just, it's only going to continue at the next level. I mean, is he going to get to, you know, 250 rocked up? Absolutely not. But, uh, you know, strong enough, you know, to where he's not getting moved. And he already doesn't. You know, of course, he gets moved a little bit, but he was able to stand his ground. And, you know, he's he's learned ways and, you know, to how to how to have that not be an issue. Again, like I said, the way that he maneuvers and, you know, is able to use his length to an advantage. And, uh, you know, guys really try to, you know, just jump into him and, you know, and use strength. Uh, you know, he just kind of swallows him, really. Uh, you know, his arms, you know, are just right over top of you. And, you know, even if you do that, it's hard to get the shot up. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to continue to get better. Uh, does it need to get better? Yes. 
Um, but is that a reason, you know, to, you know, knock him or not, you know, not take him where he's supposed to go, you know, which is high in next year's draft? Absolutely not. You know, I appreciate that very honest scouting report. Seriously, you could have just listed all positives, but you're like, yeah, of course, the stuff you're going to get better at. <laughs> do, do you mind if uh, if we take like one or two questions from the audience here, bring people on stage before we let you go, Jalen? No worries if you have to bounce now. Yeah, okay, that's fine. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's let's bring up a couple of people. Um, let's see who we can bring up here. Well, first, while we are bringing someone up, Alberto had a good question earlier in the chat. He said, uh, if you could study from anyone dead or alive in NBA history, who would you want to spend one week studying and learning basketball with? I thought that was a good question from Alberto. Uh, well, Alberto is on stage here. What's going on, Alberto? Oh, he's gone now. Uh, if I could say from one person, um, I think it would be... <laughs> um, would it be Pokrzewski? <laughs> no, nah, I think, realistically, I think if there was one person that, you know, I study and learn from, is, uh, you know, and I've already got the chance to, uh, is John Stockton. Um, you know, he got so many ways that he manipulates the game. And, you know, again, just a, being a smaller point guard, you know, he was able to get to spots. He was able to get people open. Um, you know, in the short time we worked together, uh, a couple of times when he was at the gym with me at Gonzaga, um, I mean, are still things I use to this day. And, you know, like basketball knowledge that, you know, I really haven't been, you know, open to yet. So, um, uh, yeah, I think, again, you know, to get up with him and, again, spend actual time in the gym, you know, a couple times a day uh, for a week uh, would be major. With John Stockton, man, like, I, I, like, what's the number one thing? What's the first thing you asked him, actually? <laughs> I asked him about his flip phone. <laughs> oh, his flip phone? I asked him what? if that was a real thing, what? and he said yes. <laughs> he still, him and Carl, him and Carl Malone still have the flip phones. I don't, I don't see how anybody can have a football. I, I know he's almost sixty years old right now, but like my mom, uh, my mom's in her mid sixties, and she she transitioned just from like <laughs> flip phone to smartphone. It's it's not that complicated. Uh, it was funny. Uh, we got we got one more question here from Maxwell. What's going on, Maxwell? What's going on, KOC? What's up, Jalen? How you feeling? I'm good. How are you? Good man. I have a, a like a lot of questions. I wish I could ask you, but um. I guess the most burning question I have, because I, I hadn't really read this anywhere or heard, heard the answer to this, but what was the deciding factor um, in you choosing basketball over, over football? Um, the deciding factor for me was, you know, I had a, I had a rare opportunity, um, you know, to put my family, you know, and myself, uh, you know, into, into a position that, you know, we had always talked about, dreamed about, you know, you see it on TV and, you know, people you look up to. Um, you know, and kind of when I broke it down, I love football a lot. You know, I, I wish I could go back and play, uh, you know, but life doesn't always work out that way. Um, you know, and to be able to get them out of, you know, the base of my uncle's house and, you know, all down here, uh, you know, I wanted, I've always wanted to give my mom anything she wanted. I wanted to give my sisters the world, you know, and I, I got the opportunity to do that, you know, while playing basketball, which is a sport I love as well. Uh, you know, I couldn't pass it up. Uh, so it really just came down to, you know, what was the best life decision, you know, for me and my future, uh, you know, and the people that I love and want to take care of. That, that's a great answer, man. I mean, I'm, I'm like you're only only in the first stages of your rookie deal here, but like you see the money other guys can get and you're already making life changing money. Isn't that the best feeling? It is. To be able to have family, you know, come into town and, 
you know, I, I can I can take care of them. We all enjoy this together. They come to games and, you know, see me play. And again, my parents and, you know, sisters are in their own house and loving it. Um, you know, it, it means the works. That's always that's always what I wanted to do. So, um, again, to me, and then I get to wake up and play basketball every day. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, again, it's hard to turn that down too. So, um, yeah, I, I would I wouldn't take anything back. Do you do you ever feel like you're in a dream, or does this feel like it's supposed to be happening right now? Uh, yeah, I think it was meant to be. I think everything was meant to be. Uh, you know, people sacrificed a lot for me to get here. You know, I've sacrificed and put in a lot to be here. And, uh, you know, now to be able to reap the benefits and rewards and, you know, continue to keep striving and get better. Uh, you know, I think it was all fate. Uh, and when are you coming back, Jalen? Do you know? Uh, not, not yet. You know, I'm working every day, rehab and, you know, with, with the staff, you know, I'm trying to get things better. Uh, you know, one of those things you can't really rush. So, you know, just continuing to, you know, get better day by day. Until and the, I know you're a Call of Duty guy. Are you playing video games at all with that thumb problem? Nope, and it's killing me. Yeah. Oh my god! So you can't have? Do you play Warzone or multiplayer in COD? Uh, I play multiplayer. Okay, so you don't. Oh, so you're not that interested in the new Warzone map yet? Nah, but I haven't heard good reviews. So, <laughs> oh come on, man! It, it, I like it better. I think, yeah. I think the, I think the new Warzone map is way better. It, yeah. it, it's more terrain, less buildings, but uh, yeah. That to make it, you should give it a chance. Once your thumb is ready, I know you're ready to play NBA basketball, but you should play Warzone. <laughs> That's more important. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> well, well Jalen, I appreciate you joining Spotify Green Room tonight and uh, the Ringer NBA Live. So um, hope you have a great rest of your night, man, and best of luck the rest of the season. Of course. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Jalen. Hey, he's at the club, dude. <laughs> he just walked out of the club. What was that? He's having a night out in Orlando? Where was he to get a quiet room like that? <laughs> you guys heard the, the music in the background there, right? <laughs> the music was bumping. Jesus. I'm sitting here alone in my room talking. He's out partying, having a good time. Yeah, exactly, Ryan. The thumb, the thumb can't stop him. Different, different lives we're living, that's for damn sure. Club Disney World says Andrew. Let's let's uh let's go for like another ten minutes and and take some more some more questions from the audience here. Just raise your hand if you have a question. We'll pull up people, anybody, um, and we'll talk about whatever it is. Yo, you're back. What's up? I made it. I made it. You're back. So, so sorry for giving you the bump for Jalen Suggs earlier. <laughs> I think I'll understand. I think I get it. You know, talking to Dylan Suggs is way more interesting than talking to me. Don't worry about no, that. No, uh, Jesse, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm very happy to be talking to you as well. How you doing? Yeah, man. Uh, okay, I got a quick question. It's it's more of like a, a very, very random question, not related to Jalen Suggs at all. But do you think po- positionless basketball has made either A, big point guards more valuable or B, small point guards less valuable? That's a good question. It's like a philosophical question about how you build a team out and all that. I, I mean, uh, I, I think I think it could be a little bit of both. But we're nearing the point that it's going to be leaning towards the big playmaking guard is just more valuable. We're not at that stage yet. We're not at that point yet. But I think with the like we talked with Jalen Suggs just now about Chet Holmgren, you're going to have Paulo Bancaro coming in, Victor Wembanyama coming in. There's a lot of talented players with size. They're not necessarily lead ball handlers or or point guards for teams, but they are players who you can give the ball to and have them create a bucket for you. So I think we are nearing a point here where a lot of big players and big teams are going to have an edge. But as Alberto says in the chat, 
basketball is about studs. If someone's a stud, you can build around your team around anybody. And ultimately, like, that's the truth. If, if a star elite Allen Iverson comes out, you know, in four years, then a team is going to build the, the optimal roster around that player. You can only build with what you have. Um, but I think what the league has in the coming years and already is going to be a lot of talented guys with size and size is always going to have the advantage when it comes to rebounding, when it comes to defense and length and deflections and steals and all that. So we're, we'll see how the league goes here, but I, I'm expecting you're going to see it sometime in the next five to 10 years, a lineup of all six, seven and taller guys. That's what I would expect. There will be a team like that. What's going on, Andrew? Give a round of applause to the Sir KLC. Give a round of applause to him right now. Whoa, whoa, are you at the club with Jalen Suggs in the background? Well, it's a little bit like that in terms of the own club I got over here with that. And um, <laughs> and with um, Andre Kokoshevsky, with his shot being, unfortunately, that bad, but it's supposed to release, you're right about that. Because that shot has been disappointing, I have to say. It has been. Po- po- you say poker? Poker? Yes, it, it sadly has been. I mean, it's only year two, and he's only 14 years old. And yes, he So, So I'm going to give him time to develop. Um, but it's definitely a slow start for Poku. I, I'm, I gotta admit, Andrew, I'm a little nervous. Yes, I'm very nervous for him. I, I know he's young and he's not even 20 yet, but um, it's a really rough start, dude. <laughs> he's shooting 20% from three this year. Uh, he's shooting 45% from two, up from 40% last year. That's a little bit of improvement. He has an even assist turnover ratio. Defense is still an adventure for him. I mean, look, dude, seven footer. Uh, got to give him time with the amount of skill that he has. I'm still a Poku fan, but I am a little bit worried. Indeed. When you're making Westbrook look like Stephen Curry from the three-point line, despite his explosive shot, it is very concerning. And I've given all my Aspirin Singer. I've been giving all my stop to Aspirin Singer now. I've given all my Poku stop to Singer. But um, real quick, good sir, with the quality play of the Cavs and the J.B. Bickers staff, do you feel that Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio will not be dealt in the trade deadline or during this whole entire trade period with how the Cavs have been such a pleasant surprise in the association? Um, That's a good question. Like, because with Cleveland, they're the type of team that you full on would have expected them to be selling uh, maybe two months ago at the start of the season or, or before the season. And now they're in a position where maybe they're adding. I think with that roster, Kevin Love making 30 plus million dollars, what he is, that's a hard contract to deal unless Cleveland is in a position where they're packaging that deal with future draft picks. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see them um, moving either of those guys. Rubio has too much value as a backup point guard and love the contract is tough to move unless, and this is a question for the chat before we get to Luke here. What if you're giving Kevin love and Okoro and a bunch of picks and a three-way deal where you land Ben Simmons, would you be open to that? If you're the Cavaliers, let me know in the chat. And now we're going to move on to Luke with his question. What's up, Luke? Hey, guys. What's going on? I'm having a good time tonight, man. Just chatting with yeah, you all. Me too, me too. I'm good. So I'm a Sixers fan, so I guess that's a Sixers-related question. So I know there's like – you can – I guess I'm going to say like is it smart for Maury to play this long game of waiting for Ben? Like there's packages. You could – like there, uh, DeJounte Murray package, maybe start around him or like a Pacers package with uh, Karis LeVert or something like that? Or should he really hold out and really wait this out for like and swing for like a, like what he said in uh, like a difference maker? Should he really hold out for this difference? 
I think he should hold out. I mean, I, I, I have said it on so many podcasts with Chris Vernon, with Bill Simmons for months now that he should hold out. And I, I sometimes I listen to, you know, ESPN, you know, on TV or I read tweets and um and I just think sometimes I'm crazy. Am I the only one who feels like they they should hold out to the summer if they need to? And this is coming from me, the guy who's been a Ben Simmons hater for years. I had it behind Ingram in the draft. I've said he shoots at the wrong hand. I've said he's worthless at times in the half court. I've said how overrated he is as a player. And I'm the person who says they should hold on to Ben Simmons. It doesn't connect with me. But the reason why I feel that way, I think is justified because he's still, despite all the flaws, despite all the issues, he's still in the first year of his contract. He's still an all-NBA talent. He's still an elite playmaker. He's still an elite defender. He's still in the right situation, a valuable player in the half court. If you're pairing him with a guy who could run point, like a Damian Lillard, a Steph Curry, a Darius Garland for that matter, somebody who can shoot off the dribble that's small. Ben Simmons can still provide value for you. The Sixers just don't have the right pieces. So for Philadelphia, I don't I, I think it would be absolutely foolish if they settled because they would be settling for something that's not going to make them better and increase their chances of winning a championship, which is all that matters when you have Joel Embiid. It's all that matters. So I think for them, they're in a position this season where you could argue this might be a punt year unless that deal comes up. I think Maury should be willing to wait. Um, I know I'm in the minority there, but that's, that's the way I feel. There's no rush here. Just, just play it slow. Um, be stubborn and wait for the best offer because it will come. Maxwell, what's up? Hey again, KOC. Um, thanks, Ringer, for letting me up earlier for the Dylan Suggs question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a Hornets fan, uh, but I, I do have a question because I've, I've had this uh, discussion slash debate in my friend group for a few days now um, about, I, I, and I want to get your impressions of the Hornets team building um so far uh obviously some of the young pieces that um they acquired before Lamelo, um you know miles bridges um you know cody martin they're they're having uh you know really good seasons and um you know obviously the team is trending in the right direction but uh just for like a, a long-term perspective um what do, what do you think about what what charlotte's doing I like what the Hornets are doing. Um, I mean, LaMelo Ball is on a all-NBA trajectory. We'll see how he continues to advance in the years to come. But anytime you have a guy like that, you automatically should be feeling good. And he has – I mean, we'll see how the pieces change around him in the next five to ten years. But the, the construct of the players you're looking for are there. Whether it's a secondary ball handling presence, a low-maintenance guy like Hayward or Terry Rozier – a guy who's a spark plug scorer to to play next to him, or whether it's a three and D wing like Kelly Oubre or an explosive wing like Miles Bridges, all the pieces that make sense around LaMelo Ball are there for Charlotte. The big thing that they're missing is is a center. I mean, you get Plumlee in Washington, Richards, it's not horrible by any means there, but they need somebody who can complement LaMelo, whether it's a, a Capella type like Harden had in Houston or and now Trey Young has in Atlanta or whether it's like a star level big, like a, a cat or an Embiid, somebody like that. Um, if you're able to pair LaMelo in the backcourt with a star in the frontcourt, uh, 
to me, that would be the the optimal way to build that thing out in Charlotte in the years to come. But as they are now, they're in good shape. Um, uh, I wouldn't rush things here. Uh, I think if they're able to make a, a fair trade for somebody like Miles Turner, that would make some sense. But I also don't necessarily think Miles Turner is your long-term answer. Um, so I like the spot they're in, but of course you got to play it slow and, and find the right deals along the way. Matt, what's going on? How's it going, KFC? Uh, big Cavs fan here. Uh, obviously it's just been ecstatic the past couple of weeks. Uh, just riding on a high right now. Um, big you fan must of be like Snoop Dogg levels, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit amazing. Um, big fan of the Simmons trade idea. Um, don't you like that? The love and a bunch of picks for Simmons? Oh, yeah. Possibly a free team, I would think, because I don't think Philly would be interested in much of what we have. Um, yeah, three-way would probably have to be. I agree. I'd be interested to see how that would fit with uh, just the culture I've been building in Cleveland. Like, summer league, a lot of young guys came out to Vegas and got some practice. And uh, I guess they're going to can charge games together. He seems like he has a close relationship with Garland. Um, and I don't know. I just fell in love with Simmons like that first year, the summer league and stuff. He looks like a shell of that player that he was. So, um, I was also wondering if there's other players you would see the like Cavs targeting, maybe not Simmons level, but like I've heard like Karis Levert, Terrence Ross, stuff like that. I mean, I, I think long term, that type of player, it's sort of like we talked about just now with Charlotte, that the construct of what you're gonna, what you want around Jared Allen and Mobley and Darius Garland, you want more wings who can shoot. You want more guys like that. But I got to be honest with you, man. Does Terrence Ross do anything for you? He doesn't do anything for me. Uh, I mean, like he's a solid player and maybe he helps you win some more games now. But I, I just like, what are you going to give up for him? Is it worth giving up a, a younger piece for a guy who you know where you're going to get? I, I personally don't think so. If I'm Kobe Altman in that Cavs front office, I'm going for big swings. Um, with all the picks they have and the salaries that they have as well. Ryan, what's up? We'll take a couple more questions here before we bounce, but what's going on, Ryan? I what's know. up, Kevin? I got a trade that could shake up the league. I, I just want to know your thoughts. Give it to me. Me. Give it to me. Give me this trade. <laughs> all right. So everyone's heard the Dame for Ben Simmons trade, the Dame for Player X trade. Let's shake it up. Let's send Dame to the Clippers. Let's send Paul George to Golden State. And let's send Poole, Moody, Kaminga, the whole farm, every pick imaginable to Portland. Who says no? Uh, possibly all three of them. <laughs> uh, you're killing me. It's just too big of a trade. It's a 2K level trade, Ryan. It's it's too, it's too big of a trade. Like I, it, you know, it's just too many big names that like without reason to do it. Here, here's my question for you, Ryan, and for the chat. What about this? Is a a, a simpler trade here? What if the Warriors gave Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody? For DeMontis Sabonis. The, the problem I have, as I'm a Warrior fan, the problem I have with trading for a center like a Miles Turner and, or a Sabonis or whoever, giving up substantial assets, is your best center is always going to be Draymond. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're closing a game, you always want to close with Draymond at the five. So it's so hard to justify giving up so much for a center when like you can give up those similar assets for like a wing. You know what I'm saying? A player that could close. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, my counter argument would be it works with Looney and Draymond. Why can't it work with Sabonis and Draymond? Fair. For sure. I, I definitely see the arguments from both sides. Uh, but I mean, to your original point, Ryan, some of these teams, like it, it's wide open and teams can be take, 
teams should be taking shots here. For sure. Thank great, you, great Ryan. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it, Ryan. Last question here, Burton. What's going on, dude? Burton, are you there? What's going on? Oh, I hit the mute button. I thought you hit the mute button. <laughs> How you doing? Genius over here. Um, <laughs> I know we talked a lot of Cavs stuff already. Are they for real? Is Cleveland for real? I, I'd say yes, they're for real. They might not be 18 and 12, four seed in the East for real with Miami coming after them and Philly struggling so far and Atlanta at 500. They might not be four seed for real. But I, I do think Atlanta's, uh, sorry, Cleveland's for real in the sense that Evan Mobley, I'm a buyer. Darius Garland, I'm a buyer. Jared Allen, I'm a buyer. Okoro, even despite his limitations as a scorer, I'm a buyer with his defense and ability to at least score at the rim. So a lot of young talent on that team that's clicking and it fits. The pieces fit together. And Bickerstaff is one of the guys, like Andy just said in the chat, He's a coach of the year candidate. He deserves to be. I mean, last year, they did the same thing with three bigs on the floor with Larry Nance, one of my favorite players to watch in Cleveland the past couple of years, now kind of fading away in Portland, not playing his proper role, though it's been better the last week in Portland with C.J. McCollum out, Powell at the two and Nance in the starting lineup. I'd still like to see see them take more of what Nance did in Cleveland. So I think for this Cavs team here – they're for real. Their talent's for real. Bickerstaff is unafraid to get innovative using Larry Marketing at the three uh, with his size. I, I like. I really like what they got. I like what this team has and what they're building. How do we measure success? Is making the playoffs success or is like winning a round success? That, that's a good question. I mean, what is success for the Cavs? Um, I mean, you could argue it's success already. Uh, I, I think success for them, it, it's, it almost relates a lot to what Jalen Green said earlier in the chat when I said to him, you guys have lost 24 of 29 games. How do you deal with that? And he's like, you know, it's not like you don't care about the the losing. You focus on the growth. You focus on, you know, the day-to-day. And I think for Cleveland, whether they're 18 and 12 or 12 and 8 or 8 and 22, this is a team that's growing and getting better all the time. So to me, that that is the way you're going to gauge what success is for Cleveland. And if the record is good, which it is right now, that that's the cherry on top. But growth and, and, and improvement can't always be measured by wins and losses. Um, but Cleveland, you know what, man? Uh, it doesn't matter right now. That That's just the bonus on top of everything else that's happening that's good there. Well, this is going to do it tonight for us with Ringer NBA Live. I appreciate everybody joining. I really love bringing people on stage and talking with Jalen Suggs earlier. We'll try to do another one of these soon because we're starting to get into the rhythm of the season here. We're, we're starting to figure out who these teams are. Um, so I think I think we'll do more of these in the coming weeks and months. It's always very enjoyable. Well, so thank you, everybody.